Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. Well, good morning and happy new year. I'm going to invite you to come in and grab a seat. Jason didn't tell you I was preaching so that you wouldn't walk out the back door once you did. I'm just kidding. But happy new year to everybody. It's so good to be back and with you. New Year's is a special thing. New Year's is a special time of year. January seems to create this sense of opportunity, a sense of change, and a new season that I think is actually incredibly healthy. When else in your year do you actually take time to stop and pause and look back at last year and maybe even have hopes and plans and dreams for the future for the next coming year? New Year seems to operate like an on-ramp. We used to treat it as an opportunity to jump on ship for things that we've always wanted to try that maybe we haven't had time to. Maybe you're going to finally get that gym membership this year. Maybe I'm going to finally get that gym membership this year. Maybe, maybe your resolution is that you want to be more, you want to be on time. You want to be like right on the clock. You want to be there right on time. Carlo, your new job. Maybe this year you decide you want to eat a little bit healthier. You want to give the chicken wings a break. Well, maybe not chicken wings a break, but you want to give... Some of the bad foods that you're eating, maybe a little bit of a break. And although resolutions don't always go as planned, this morning I want to talk about making a change that this year that may not affect your waistline, but it will help us to begin to experience our relationship with Jesus in a deeper and newer way. This morning I want to talk about what it means to be rooted in Jesus, going beyond just skimming the surface, but actually establishing deep roots in our life in who Jesus is. But as always, we want to get you talking with your table. And so we want, you to see, we want to see if you can come up with the top 10 New Year's resolutions of last year with your table. The top 10 New Year's resolutions from last year. Here's, here's a little n- advice. Some of them are pretty tricky. They're fairly similar. But see if you can get all 10. Ready, set, go. Okay, who thinks they got them? Top 10 New Year's resolutions of this year, 20, or of last year, 2016. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Here's number 10. To find the love of my life. Number 10. Check. Find the love of my love. Of of my love. Okay, number nine. Do more good deeds for others. To do more good deeds for other people. Number nine. Number eight. To learn something new on your own. To learn a new skill or talent on your own. Number eight. Number seven, to work out more often. Number six, to spend more time with family or close friends. Uh, Number five is to do more exciting things. Number four is to stop smoking, quit smoking. Number three is to make better financial decisions. Uh, Number two is life or self-improvements. And who thinks they can guess number one? Lose weight. Number one is, of course, lose, lose, lose weight. All right, who thinks they got, who, who got, start low, because the Thursday people got like none of them. So t- uh, three out of 10. Okay, thank goodness. Okay, four out of 10. Six out of 10. Seven? Eight. Seven. All right, so everybody check in with these seven people to see if they kept up on all their resolutions for this year, but give it up for them. 
That was the lamest clap of all time. Get it for them. Sweet. Awesome. Well, this season is a season of new, <laughs> Carla's making fun of me, of new beginnings. And I think it's wise that we capitalize on a season where we actually expect and we're anticipating a sense of change in our life. That January, the new year, oh, 2017, it could be different. And to capitalize on the moments where we actually are anticipating change, especially if maybe it does come to at least my waistline. I ended up just coming back from vacation after Christmas Eve. I disappeared for two weeks, and it was awesome. And I had it in my head. I'm getting married this year, so like, you got to like be a little bit more fit to like get married. So I was like, I'm getting married this year, so i got to start eating better. And so I went to my parents' house, and I'm like, I'm only going to eat good foods. And I ended up finding myself on the couch for two weeks. Who's seen Crown? Like the best show ever. The Queen of England is awesome. Anyway, so I started binge-watching Crown and finding myself sitting on the couch. And when you're not doing a whole lot, you can't eat a whole lot is kind of the next rule. Until I went into my parents' pantry and found like the mother load of Ferrero Rocher chocolates. And I think, no, no exaggeration, probably 50. Like it's like this entire portion is Ferrero Rocher chocolates. Like... It's craziness. Everybody wants to eat better. Everybody has New Year's resolutions until we get faced with that temptation of that sweet, chocolatey goodness. But what about establishing change in our life that actually lasts? Half of all people who will embark on New Year's resolutions will fail within the first six months. And actually, a study that I was reading was saying if you're over the age of 50, you only have a 16% chance of success in the entire year. Not to put a damper on everybody's, oh, maybe I shouldn't try. But this one ahead to talk about how once you get later on in life that you actually have already established a pretty firm foundation for who you are. And most New Year's resolutions are behavioral changes, not fundamental changes to who we are. I don't want to have to get up at 6 a.m. and go running. I'm just going to not eat pizza. And it's not quite the same decision to be made. But if we want to actually establish change in our life, that it's actually going to take a shift of a fundamental shift in who we are to actually reassess the foundation that our life is built on if we want to see long-term change. The foundation of your life or your roots are, these, are essential to your growth and development. And where you lay your roots and where you choose to plant yourself will begin to bear fruit in your life. Where you choose to put down roots will eventually bear fruit in your life. If we want to experience growth in a new way, we need to reestablish our foundation. I actually and honestly believe that this could be the year that maybe you, experiencing, you experience your relationship with Jesus in such a new way and a radical way that 2017 can mark the beginning of a new way of living, maybe even a new way of experiencing God and a new way of living life with him. But achieving this is not just a behavioral adjustment. It's not just changing our habits. But it's actually going to take a fundamental shift in who we are and who we choose to be in our lives for this year. That we need, to either, we need to either establish new roots or establish roots to start with that keep us planted and centered around Jesus. And so my question for us this year is where will you be rooted? For 2017, this fresh start, this new beginning, where are you going to choose to root your life? Where are you going to choose to put down roots for this next season? There are many awesome places to put down roots. Some people are, they're so heavily rooted in family. Their, their whole life revolves around just their, their, their family. That is their primary focus. That is where they put down deep roots. Or some people put down deep roots in their career. They're driven, and one of their top priorities in their life, like my career is where I'm going to invest my roots. 
Or maybe it's community. Maybe, no, I don't mean like your community. Your community, your group of friends, the people you hang out with, very centered around the community that you've surrounded yourself with in your life. And not that any of these are bad things, but where we choose to root ourselves will ultimately become the source of life. It'll become our source in life. And so I want to talk about for the moment and saying those are all good things to be rooted in, but our primary source, our primary roots, where we're going to choose to ground ourselves, needs to be something stronger than that. If you have your Bibles, which I would encourage you to bring, or if you have it on your phone, you can go to Colossians 2, Colossians 2, and we're going to read that together. It's on the screen as well. And this is what Paul says to the church in Colossians. I want you to know how much I've agonized for you and for the church And for your many other believers who have never met me personally, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. For in him lie all the treasures of wisdom, all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For I am far away from you, but my heart is with you. And I'll rejoice that you are living as you should, and your faith is strong in Christ. Verse 6, And now, just as you accepted Jesus Christ your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built upon him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, and and you will overflow with thankfulness. Paul is telling the church in Colossians that they need to remain rooted. They need to establish deep roots in who Jesus is. That family and career and community are essential things in life. They're awesome things in life. They're things to celebrate. But to be rooted in something more, to be rooted in a relationship with Jesus first, is to have access to more. Verse three says, verse two and three says, I want them to have complete confidence in understanding God's mysterious plan, which is Christ Himself. In Him, in Him lie all hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Family, careers, and community are great, but when our lives are rooted in something more, we are not only strengthened in truth and faith, but Christ actually offers us all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge for our life. That when we are, included, when we are rooted in Christ, the byproduct of our life is just better because he overflows through who we are. And so, again, I ask the question, where are you rooted? Where this year do you want to be rooted? Where do you want to root your family for this year? Because Jesus extends to us an opportunity not just to follow him, but to have our lives actually secure in him, to have our roots secured in him. If we want to be rooted in Christ for 2017, we will be rooted in foundation, rooted in foundation. Jesus wants to be the foundation of all that we do. This is essential to understanding who Jesus came to be for me and for you, is that Jesus didn't want to come and just be a portion of our life, but he wanted to be the foundation of our life. Matthew 7 says this, Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows is wise, like a person who builds their house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it will not collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey is foolish, like a person who builds their house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash." 
God is not interested in just being a, a portion of the pie, so to speak, of our life. That we'll, we'll, we'll take care of our career and we have our family and then every once in a while we'll, we'll service and we'll nurture the, the spiritual part of our life that maybe we'll service. But to stick with the pie analogy, God wants to be the delicious crust that holds the Jesus raspberry filling inside. But God wants to be... I got a little bit of food on my brain when I was writing this, apparently. But, but God wants to be the foundation. There's Donna smiling. You could make me a pie. That would also just serve it. But God wants to be the foundation that actually holds our life together. He doesn't want to just be a portion, but he wants to be the ground level. To be rooted in Jesus is to be rooted in a strong foundation. The incredible gift of Jesus is not just to be, have him as a portion of our life, but it's an all-encompassing experience of the goodness, graciousness, fullness, fullness, and strength of God in all that we do, and more importantly than what we do, who we are, who we are. It's not a behavioral shift. It's not a New Year's resolution, but it's actually a shift in our foundation to reestablish deep roots in who he is. When we establish roots in Christ, it's not a matter of if our lives will be transformed, but how and when our lives will be transformed. To be secure in Jesus is to be secure in something far greater than we can find in this world. Something stronger, something greater, and more importantly, something that is never changing. A foundation for our lives that will remain. When we feel like we can't remain, it will remain. I'm not necessarily preaching that life is easy, life happens, storms come. Just like Matthew 7 says, it doesn't keep us from experiencing hard times. But when we do experience moments when we are stretched and we are pulled, we are secured in a foundation far beyond our own circumstance. And that for this year, you have no idea what is coming down the pipe. There's no way to get, there's no way to, to predict, there's no way to figure it out, but life happens. And so when life happens, where will you be secured? When life happens, where do you want to be rooted? Do you want to be rooted in things that are fleeting, or do you want to be rooted in something that is strong and eternal? About two or three years ago, um, my mom, my mom worked for IBM for 37 years. And she worked there, and she was like career woman, like driven, crazy work hours. She'd get up, she'd start working at 8, and she'd work till about 7 at night, and then she'd take two hours off, and then she'd get on, back on the phone at like from 9 to midnight because she was working with people in China, and so they were just waking up. So she would be from 9 to midnight every single day. It was crazy, insanely driven, insanely career-focused which is not necessarily a bad thing. But she was getting ready one day, and she was going to put her shoes on, and so she sat on this old antique chair that we had in our front hall. And she goes, and she sits down, she's in a rush, and she's just in a hurry, and she's doing up her shoes. And for some reason, this old junky chair that just looks cool falls, and the legs go out from underneath, and she falls maybe, I don't know, a foot and a half. And she slips, and she falls in her back, and she actually ends up slipping four discs in her back. <laughs> And at first, we were like, oh, like, that's not even possible. She only fell, she like, that's this far. But it put her on a road that actually ended up putting a pause in her career. That she actually ended up going for the surgery where they repaired her back, but there was intense scar tissue all the way down along her, her spinal cord. So that when they were done, you ever had pins and needles like in your arm or your leg, and you're like, oh, you give it a good shake, and it comes back. So my mom, from, from here down, just has an, a sensation of pins and needles all the time. All the time. Devastating. Life-changing. Life-changing. So they, they, the doctor said to her, you know what, you can't go back to work. And she's like, Wah. 
Like, what? I sit at a desk. It's not like I'm walking around. Like, why can't I go back to work? They're like, no, it's not healthy. It's not good for your back. You can't go back to work. And so her career gets put on pause. Her health gets put on pause. And she finds herself laying in this bed feeling helpless and being like, oh, what happened overnight? And I think most people would have laid there and just accepted the circumstances that she finds herself in. But my mom was rooted in something more than just her circumstances. She was rooted in more than just her career. She had a week of laying in bed, but after that, keeping her down was near well impossible. She went to the doctors, and they wanted her to wear these special running shoes that were going to like help her back. And she's like, was well, it going to solve the pins and needles? And they're like, well, no, it's just like good support for your feet. And she's like, then get these out of here. And she threw them out of the doctor's and she put back on her high heels and she's like, I'm going to look good. If I'm going to be in pain, I'm going to look good. And she stomps on out. When faced with losing her career, she goes, you know what? I have all this free time. What am I going to do with all this free time? And so she ended up sitting in a Starbucks because she just had to get out of the house. She ended up sitting in a Starbucks every single day for an entire year. She'd go from like nine to like two o'clock. And as she sat there, she goes, well, I got nothing else to do. God, what do you want me to do? And he's like, oh, you should just start talking to people. So she just started talking to people as they came in. They're getting their coffee. Oh, hello. She was like the lady that you couldn't escape talking to, (laughs) sitting in the chair. People stopped going to that Starbucks because of it, I'm sure. But she actually ended up being used by God in some pretty awesome ways. You know who goes to Starbucks during the day? Police chiefs, fire chiefs, contractors, people who essentially own their own business, and they're just kind of like bumming around. They can, they can leave during the day. And so she ends up running this Bible study slash book group with like 15 of like the city officials of Whitby <laughs> because they were just free. And so she, she was there and talking to them, and so she actually creates a new opportunity for herself, and God actually used her in awesome ways. When you're rooted in something more than your circumstance, they won't let you stay down. They won't keep you down when things fail. I'm so pr- My mom's like one of my heroes. She's cool, man. I was like, man, if I had pins and needles in my leg, I'd be laying in bed playing video games all the time. But she's like, no, God has more for me than just my circumstances. Where I'm rooted is actually going to dictate more than what's happening around me, but God's actually going to use me for greater things. To be rooted in Christ for 2017 is not just to have a firm foundation, but it's actually to be rooted in a sense of freedom over our lives. Colossians 2.13 says, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive in Christ, for he forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them and on the cross. You have died died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep following the rules of this world, such as Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, or severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. The church in Colossus at the time was wrestling with this problem of evil. To give you a little bit of backstory that Paul, he didn't necessarily have been there, but this church had started, and people in the church got in their mind, like, how on earth could there be this good, amazing God and still be evil in the world? They wrestled. They wrestled with a few things. And so to help rationalize their wrestling, long story short, they actually began to compromise their roots, and they started to introduce some Greek philosophy and some Greek thinking into 
their relationship with Jesus, something that was not intended to be there, but they actually began to compromise and begin to straddle the line between living in faith and living under the cultural expectations of their day. To choose to try and live in both worlds, to try and rationalize and come to terms with something that they could not understand about God. And so Paul finds them sort of straddling the line between living under God's expectations, but also trying to bend and warp their lives to live under the expectations of culture and where they were living. And, and Paul says this plea to them. He goes, you have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world? You're missing out on Christ's freedom because you're trying to follow the rules of this world. A life rooted in Jesus is freedom from the rules and expectations of here and now, and actually adopting kingdom values and what's important to God. A much better sense of what Paul is talking about, he goes, we're no longer worried and concerned about the values of this world because we actually get to adopt and take on the values of God to satisfy the things that God values instead of what the world would value. And so my question to ask is, what is it in our lives that we are trying to appease? What are the expectations we're trying to live under that are maybe not ones that God is putting on us? The situations of our day and the expectations on us that are actually hindering the freedom that God wants to offer us and the freedom that we actually could live in if we would just come under the expectations that other people are putting on ourselves, not God. A big one today and a big one that I know that, at least for myself, is bigger is better. Everywhere you go, you want to get the job, you want to get the house, you want to get the car, and you want to get the best of the best because success looks like X, Y, Z. That we want to have the biggest and the best and the brightest, but that is not a God expectation in our life. That is an expectation of culture and the world and, and not something that God, God would love for you to have a car, but he doesn't care if it's a Hummer. Like he's, he's not too concerned with what the, the product looks like. And yet people today maybe put themselves under the pressure of financial strain of trying to make their life something that they think it should be. In recent years, both mortgage debt and consumer debt have increased significantly. In the 1980s, the ratio of household debt to personal disposable income was only 66%. That ratio recently passed a figure of 150%. And another study I read last night said that it was actually at 173. And so don't read in too, too much. But all this is trying to say is now more than ever, it's actually easier to borrow money. With interest rates so low, people can actually carry more, carry more debt and service more debt, which only brings on the temptation to try and service a lifestyle and a dream and an expectation that maybe we put on ourselves that maybe we can't actually handle. To give some father, my dad's name's Craig, to give some father Craig wisdom, this is what he says to me. He goes, don't be so worried financing today's lifestyle with tomorrow's dollars. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with borrowing money. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But are we servicing the need in our life or are we servicing a greed in our life? Are we servicing things that, you know, I think it's good that God wants you to have a house, and it's amazing, but do you need to have a house with 19 garages, and it looks like something off MTV Cribs? What is the management of, our, of what we have? Because it can be oh so tempting to fall into that trap. 2016 was an awesome year. I paid off my car in 2016. Woo! And like two weeks after I paid off my car, I was like, I should buy a truck. I just finished <laughs> making car payments and then turned around and went, I should make more car payments. That'd be an amazing thing for me to do. And so I started going on auto trader and like driving my dealerships. Like every time someone would pull into the church with a truck, I'd be like, oh, that's a sick truck. Okay, Dave Peckham has the sickest truck of all time. But my natural instinct was 
instantly to jump onto the bandwagon of, oh, I should get a better thing. I should get a newer thing. I should get a fancier thing. And not to get wrapped up in talking about money, but underneath the layers, it actually comes down to what we value. That's the important thing, what we value. Will we chase what the world values or are we going to chase what God values? Or are we going to celebrate what the world values or are we going to celebrate what God values? What if this year we valued giving more than getting? What if we valued being content over being complacent with what God's already given us? What if we actually were content with what we had now? What if we valued others more than ourselves? What would our lives look like and what would our attitude towards living be in 2016 if we could actually align our hearts with the heart of God and what matters to him? Imagine the freedom of not having to worry about having the biggest and the best and the greatest and carry that strain in our life because it doesn't really matter. That maybe we could use our, our resource and things that we value to actually bless other people and live in the freedom of what God has for us. The challenge on myself for this year is actually contentment. That's what I'm working on right now. You need to be content with what God's given you, and when the opportunity arises, God will give you more. That God is good, and he actually blesses us. But be content with what God's given us, and live in that freedom. And lastly this morning, to be rooted in who Christ is for this year is actually to be rooted in a future. Philippians 2 says, Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence, and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean and innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in the world full of crooked and perverse people. Firmly hold to the word of life, then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run this race in vain and that my work is not useless. But I'll rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God because of your faithful service as an offering to God. And I want you all to share in that joy. It's a sobering reminder to know that our roots are not just about here and now, but our roots are ultimately an eternal decision that we make. Where we choose to plant ourselves is not just about here and now, but it's actually about eternity. The incredible promise of God is not just life to the fullest that we can experience now, but life to the fullest actually forever, that we actually get to live with Christ, and that the roots that you secure today actually secure your future tomorrow, and where you choose to put down and plant yourself. And not just our future, but maybe the future of our families, and maybe the future of our kids, and maybe the future of our students, where we choose to plant ourselves mom and dad, as their pastor and someone who wants the best for them and wants the greatest for them and wants them to live out a life that follows Jesus, the roots that you secure in your family and the way that you live that out will have a lasting impression on the roots that one day your students and your kids are going to plant. And probably more importantly, whether they should remain rooted in Christ or not, the roots that you plant as parents, the roots that you plant as mom and dad have huge implications on your kids. I think that here we're here to love your kids and encourage your kids and, and push them towards a relationship with Christ that is eternal and life-giving and adventurous and all the amazing things that come with it. But you probably have the greatest opportunity to con continually speak 
Christ value love and importance of being rooted in Christ into the life of your child. I don't want to downplay our role here. I think youth is important. I think kids' ministry is important. I think all those things are great. But if the only time that your student is hearing about being rooted in Christ is on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, there's actually a significant problem. That's a significant problem. As parents, you are actually the primary disciple maker of your kid. No one else has more access to your student than you do. It may not feel that way, but no one has more access to speak life, encouragement, and who Jesus has made them to be than you yourself. Your roots not only, the roots that you plant not only fight for your future, but they actually empower you and strengthen you and inspire you to, actually, to actively fight for the future of your kids. When I started in grade nine, I started going to a new church, and my mom was like, you're going to go to youth. And I was like, there is no way you're going to get me to go to that stupid church. And so she used to drive us on Thursday nights, me and my sister, and she'd pull up to the front of the church, and she'd be like, all right, get out. And I'd be like, I'm not getting out. You can't make me get out. And she's like, I can make you do whatever I want. I will beat you. Like, like I will absolutely hit you. And so it was like weeping and gnashing of teeth. It was like a big deal every single week where it was like horrible experience. And, it was, and I was, she was like, all right, you're going to get out. To the point where she opened the door and physically like kicked me out of the car. And I was like, fine, you can kick me out of the car, but I'm not going in. And so I went and I sat on the curb in front of the door. And I was like, I'm just going to sit here all night. She's like, fine, I'm going to Winners. And then she drove away. <laughs> and I was like, fine, whatever, but I don't have to go in. I'll show her. And so I did that the first week. And then I did it the second week, and I did it the third week, and I did it the fourth week. And I did it for around the fourth or fifth week, I think they noticed that there was a kid sitting outside on the curb, (laughs) and they were like, we should probably send someone outside. And so they sent this youth leader, like this nice dude, I don't remember his name, nice dude come out to sit with me, and he's like, hey, like, what's your name? And I'm like, shut up, like, like, no, giving him no leeway at all. And I was like, I'm not going to talk to him. And then my mom got wise, because it was November. And it was cold. And so I'm sitting outside. I'm like, I'm not going in. She's like, that's fine. And I'm like, oh, it's getting like, maybe I will go inside. And eventually I did go inside. And eventually I did get connected. And eventually I did find a place for myself to belong. But I'm, not, I'm endlessly thankful for the, for the strength and the roots that my mom had actually planted and fought for on my behalf. I'm not saying kick your kids in the butt to get them out to church. But what I am saying is actually fight on their behalf for their future. The foundation and the roots that you plant will determine where they end up. You're not going to get it right all the time. Even Jesus got 11 out of 12. But the roots that you plant, I'm just kidding. The roots that you plant, all I'm saying is you can't control everything. But (laughs) that's a horrible joke. But the roots that you plant will actually help determine the future of your kids. The future of your family. If you want this to be a year that transforms your family, plant deep roots. Establish a foundation. Establish a freedom in who Christ is, and then fight for that future. Don't take it lying down. Fight for that future. It's going to take defending. To this day, my mother will not give me any leeway. If I'm listening to, like, if I'm watching a TV show or like listening to like music or something, she's always like, "Does this person love Jesus?" And I was like, "Probably not." It's Kanye West. No, like, it's probably not, like, mom, like, leave me alone. Or if, if someone says, like, OMG in a TV show, my dad, without fail, every time is like, these people must be Christians. And I was like, that's probably not what that's coming from. 
Fight for the future of your family. Establish deep roots and actually fight for the future that comes with a life with Jesus. Make it the top priority this year. There is no single more important decision you will make for yourself or your family than to be rooted in who Jesus is. Not one. Because it's not just about here and now, but it's actually about a future and an eternity with him. We actually have a chance at the beginning of a new year, we have a new opportunity to make a decision that could literally change your family's life forever. I'm asking that you decide that this year become the year that you want to be rooted in Christ like no other. To go back to Colossians to say to let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built upon him. So that this year we can actually begin to experience him in a deeper and newer way. I am 167 days from starting a family of my own. And so, (laughs) who just went aw? Anyway, so... (laughs) And on my heart this year is, where am I going to root myself? Where am I going to plant myself from the very beginning? And it's been in my head and it's been in my heart as I've gone to this year. And so I'm not just saying at you, but I actually want to invite you that as myself, having to make a decision to plant roots for my family, for my future, that this can be a year that we can establish roots that will last a lifetime. That how you chase after Christ and how you spend and actually the value and the priority you put on him will have eternal consequence over the life of yourself and your family. And so I'm inviting you to join me that this marks a year that we choose not just to be followers of Jesus, but to be rooted in him, to commit to him in a new way. I love the idea of roots because roots wrap around things. They cling to things, that we cling to him so that our lives will reflect the foundation freedom and future that comes with a life rooted in Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning for your incredible goodness and the gift that you give us of your love and your graciousness. God, we ask for a passion to be rooted in you. God, help us root our lives around who you are and what you have for us. That God, at the beginning of this year, at the beginning of this season, God, maybe this is the year that our life changes forever, our family changes forever because of the roots and the foundation and the freedom and the future that we walk in with you. And so, God, we actually ask that you'd help us not with low expectation, but with high expectation, God. That our families are worth fighting for. That our future is worth fighting for. That this life is worth fighting for. And so, God, today we establish roots. God, help them to grow deep down into who you are. God, let our heart be your heart. Let our foundation be your foundation, God. And let us experience you this year like never before. In your name we pray. Amen. If you would like prayer this morning, we would love to pray with you. We're going to have a prayer leader to maybe come up and just be available. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week. Students, I'm sorry you have to go back to school tomorrow, but that's life. So we'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.com.